Welcome back to another edition of the Pugging Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire of The Athletic. Of course, we have tons to dive into as always. The Mike Tyson-Roy Jones exhibition match on Saturday. We have the upcoming fight between Errol Spence Jr. and Danny Garcia on Fox Pay-Per-View. We're going to be joined by Danny Garcia during the show to discuss the fight. And we'll also get into Clarissa Shields, Joe Joyce's upset victory over Daniel Dubois, and much more. And of course... It always helps if you can like, subscribe, rate, review. And remember, just now you can join The Athletic for just $1 per month at theathletic.com slash cop. Now we're going to get into the show. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. Creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only, seems the only like a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Lance, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. It seems like people were discussing this fight even more than the Wilder Fury fight earlier this year. I'm not sure what kind of indictment that is of boxing, but I'll be honest, the event was actually a lot better than I expected. Granted, my expectations were awfully low. You know, I, ashamedly, I think it was back in 2006, ordered that exhibition match between Tyson and Corey T-Rex Sanders, not to be confused with the South African uh, who upset Vladimir Klitschko. And that was just one of the worst things I'd ever seen. So this was markedly better than that 14 years later. Um, it was nice to have the guys back in the ring. You know, what What worried me was that it was going to be such an embarrassment that people would start, you know, complaining about boxing again, much the way they did after Mayweather Pacquiao. But the guys actually gave a, a decent outing. Uh, obviously, they were going at maybe a quarter speed, especially Tyson. We saw a lot of body shots. But Lance, what, what were your what was your initial reaction to watching this? Yeah, I mean, first of all, Mike, I wanted to say, like, I totally agreed with you because I think there was like a lot of consternation at least from me, like what the fans would be thinking of this fight. And, and the hope was, it's like, come on, you have to realize that this is a 54-year-old Mike Tyson. This is a far different being than the, you know, the, the killer that we saw in the ring back in the, in the late 80s. I, so, you know, I think that that was, that was definitely at play, that people were understanding that this is a, basically just a sentimental journey for us to go back and see this older version of Mike Tyson, see him like kind of strap on, you know, the, the, the cutoff sweatshirt over his head and those short black shorts that he wore. Um, you know, there was some fond memories in play. And, you know, those fond memories included his, some of his power shots, Mike. I mean, he pounded the hell out of Roy Jones Jr. midsection, you know, while he was holding him with his left arm. And he landed some great blows to the head as well. There was times during this fight where you could see that Roy was, you know, in clear evasive mode. And I think that's what everyone who was interested in buying the pay-per-view bought it for, is to see that that fearsome look on Mike Tyson's face and to see him throwing those power shots. And and that happened on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, Tyson was in great shape. He's still the biggest name, maybe in sports. <laughs> and it was nice to have them back. Uh, hopefully the next time they do su- such a thing, I'm sure it's going to happen again. We can get some top fighters on the undercard, uh, much the way we had with that Logan Paul KSI uh, fiasco. <laughs> we had Billy Joe Saunders and Devin Haney. Um, Jake Jake Paul, you know, uh, I see a lot of people getting mad at him. You know, maybe boxers should do more to promote themselves the way Jake Paul's promoted himself, right? I mean, the, the guy's, 
he's not a serious boxer maybe, but he definitely is taking the training seriously. And he's, I've seen, I've certainly seen much worse boxers uh, as opponents. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was a very entertaining knockout, Mike, right? And that's what we want out of boxing. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I saw on social media, I mean, I'll be interested to hear your response to it. A lot of it just kind of reeked of jealousy. It's like, like you said, I mean, this guy has, uh, has all these followers. He, I mean, I've, we've seen him in the gym, Mike. I mean, this guy is, a, is, is paying fierce attention to the sport. He's definitely trained his ass off, has got himself into very good shape. What is there to criticize? You know, I mean, I know that there's somewhat of a novelty act to it, but you know, as much as a lot of people will bitch and moan about, you know, boxing, boxing needs to get out of the, its niche, uh, uh, compartment. You know, here's a guy that, that's trying to do that. Oh, so why would we bash this guy? It goes to like, you know, we've had several conversations with Lou DiBella who, you know, will talk about how, you know, people in boxing love the crap on the sport. And when I see those kinds of comments, that's all I can think of. It's like, look, this guy is bringing eyeballs to your sport. You're a participant in the sport. You should be like shaking the guy's hand and saying, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. I, I'm not going to go so far as to say, thank you so much for doing this, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, it's funny because it seems like a lot of people, they obviously do like the fights. They turn into these circus events, uh -huh. but they're not watching the, the fights that actually matter. Fights like Errol Spence, Danny Garcia. And I think we need to take a close look at why that is. Why is it that these guys don't have a bigger profile where the average fan is tuning in to watch them? Why is a Tyson Jones exhibition probably going to outdo uh, Wilder Fury 2? Wilder Fury 2, Lance, did you know around 850,000 buys on pay-per-view. I'm told that this Tyson Jones pay-per-view is trending at well over a million. Wow. So it is a bit troubling. And I think the, the powers that be of boxing need to really figure this out and, and solve this already. You know, I think it has to do, a lot of it has to do with the self-marketing and self-promotion that these fighters need to undertake. I mean, I can remember uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Mike, I wrote that story about Terrence Crawford just kind of like turning his back on the idea of promotion. And look, uh, Jake Paul is a guy who markets himself. Uh, Mike Tyson is a guy who, you know, keeps his name out there. You know, he may not be as involved as we'd all like him to, but we all know who he is based on his uh, prior dominance. And I think like those guys should take a note from what works and, and get out there more and, and, and urge their people, their promoters to allow them to have a, a bigger presence, whether it is on ESPN or Fox, these major, you know, broadcast behemoths that, that show their fights or um, just, you know, maybe push the envelope. If you have an, a sharp opinion on something, then be pretty bold on it, you know, and, and capture some attention. Don't be afraid to weigh in on, on these things or be afraid to speak out on whatever social issue is going on because that, at the end of the day, is going to help your earning power. And it's it's surprising to me, Mike, that these, these publicists who work for these guys would not uh, push them to go further than they, they are actually going right now. Yeah. I mean, you, you see this happen all the time in boxing lands. Uh, someone scores a big victory on a Saturday and then th that's it. They just disappear. You right. don't hear from them again. And so the next fight is announced six months later. There's no media tour on Monday. You know, it's not always the case, but it's often the case where yes, these guys is. simply disappear. And that's an, you know, that's the fault of the publicist, the promoters, the fighters. Look, no one is saying that you have to be, um, 
create viral content like Jake Paul to market yourself. But mm-hmm. Jake Paul is just a regular guy who figured out a way to make himself a big name and fighters can certainly do more to make themselves bigger names, whatever it, whatever it is that they do, you know, whether it's just being more active on social media or be, being out there with the fans, doing appearances, whatever it may be. No one's saying don't be yourself or make viral content, but these fighters, you're right, Lance, have to take it upon themselves to do more to where YouTube personality isn't usurping them, so to speak. But look, we have a big fight this Saturday, a real fight, Errol Spence Jr., Danny Garcia. I think this is one of the the two or three biggest fights of the year. Lots of uncertainty surrounding Errol Spence after that car crash. We had Spence on the show a few weeks ago. He insisted that he's still the same Errol Spence. He's 100%. Maybe that's the case, but the uncertainty there is making this fight a lot more interesting. And uh, look, Danny Garcia is a big puncher. Just how is Errol Spence going to take punches after suffering all those injuries to his head and face? We don't know. What what do you suspect, Lance? Is it the same Errol Spence? I believe it is, Mike, and I'm basing that on just the sincerity in which both Errol Spence and his trainer, Derek James, have spoke about this situation. I just find it hard, if not impossible, to believe that even if Spence is is basing this all on ego and saying, like, I still got it, don't worry about me, Someone like Derek James, his trainer, who has you know been around him for so long, would step in and say like, "No, you're getting hit in, in sparring, or you know you're not as fast as as you were, or just something that looks a little amiss." And the fact that none of that has happened, I'm going to believe that Errol Spence will be sharp, and I I believe that he will uh, fight a fight. So uh, obviously he's got a to me, Mike, he's got a stiffer test than he had against Mikey Garcia the last time he fought at AT&T Stadium, but I believe he's going to fight a, a, a similar type of performance. And he's he's not going to be as dominant because, like you said, Danny Garcia not only can punch, he's coming to fight. I mean, there's a lot in play for Danny Garcia. But I expect Errol Spence to win a, a decision probably by about uh, scores around around 116-112, I believe, in, in what will be a, a very entertaining fight. And like you said, especially when you consider all of the intrigue going in about what exactly has happened to him in this accident, because it, we look, the details that he provided us uh, on our show a couple, couple weeks ago were definitely haunting and very riveting. And it, it is uh, very dramatic that someone can come back from that. What is your expectation? I think pretty much the same as you, Lance. I think Earl Spence is going to win a unanimous decision, a tight one in that you know, eight, four, seven, five range. I think Danny Garcia is an excellent fighter. And I think even if Errol Spence is at a hundred percent, Danny's going to give him a lot of problems. He's a great counter puncher. He has great timing. He's, he's ferocious in there. You know, he's shown that he's fearless. He's shown that he has a good chin. He's shown that he thrives in the underdog role against both Lucas Matisse and Amir Khan. In his two losses, he barely lost, uh, Sean Porter, Keith Thurman, where he just really wasn't doing enough, wasn't hustling enough. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the key to this fight. Is Danny Garcia going to punch in combination and really sell out, so to speak, and go for broke? Or is he going to be content to sit in the pocket and try to uncork that counter left hook that scored so many vicious knockouts? If he's going to do the latter, he's, you know, I think he's going to have a tough time in there. But if he wants to really go for broke, I think he has a chance. I agree. And I think that's a great tactic, Mike, because look, if, if you are Errol Spence walking into this ring for the first time since that accident, I'm sure, you know, the the moment of the early rounds, you're going to be thinking about like, do do I still have it? That Those thoughts have to have cropped in a little bit. So if you're Danny Garcia, bring the pressure early, 
see what this guy has, test the hell out of him, and then, you know, fight your fight, at least the the, the best way you see fit in the final rounds. But uh, definitely, I mean, considering all that's in play for Danny Garcia, after those two split decision losses, he has to lay it all on the, all on the line on Saturday night to really, you know, knock off the champion. And can you imagine if he takes those two belts, how much that will disrupt all of these things that we're thinking about with, you know, is, is Errol Spence going to be going after Manny Pacquiao? Is the big unification against uh, Terrence Crawford going to happen? If we see Danny Garcia walk out of that ring with those two belts on, I mean, that hate changes the whole complexion of the welterweight division. Definitely. This is, this is a fight for, for pound for pound status for Errol Spence for, for bragging rights over Terrence Crawford. I mean, this is a big, big opportunity, and I, I've, I have loved to see how much push Fox has given this on during the NFL games. I mean, during that Washington-Dallas game on Thanksgiving, which was the most watched, I think the most watched game of the year, we, we saw you know numerous Spence Garcia ads coming out in and out of the breaks, uh, Aikman and Buck talking about the game. So that was great to see. Yeah. Um, Fox is definitely behind this fight big time. Uh, one issue I do have is this is yet another underwhelming pay-per-view undercard. And mm-hmm. it just seems to be, we can't get out of the way of this in boxing. It's just the absolute norm at this point. I get it. The fighters in boxing, the main event fighters make make up, you know, more than 90% of the purses. So they have to, there's only so much money to go around. But, you know, it's just hard to ask people to shell out $75 for a pay-per-view to have on not even one fight that would even be considered main eventing um, a show that you'd care about, right, on free TV. And I can't say Fox, right? Because the Fox main events have not been good recently. But we saw this with Gervonta Davis and Leo Santa Cruz, where the undercard was just like, all right, you know, maybe some fun fights, but we know absolutely who's going to win in each one of those fights. And, you know, when you look at the this undercard, Spence and Danny Garcia, it's the same thing. And it's just fights that we know really no one cares about, don't mean anything. What, yeah. what do you think, Lance? Are we ever going to see someone fix this? I mean, the last time I can remember such a, Having a real fight on an undercard was when Mayweather fought Canelo, and we actually had that Danny Garcia Lucas Matisse fight as the co feature. Let's get more of that, or at least something similar, even approaching that. Yeah, and that show that show did very well. And I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that the the co main is what brought everyone in, but it definitely brought in more eyeballs. But let's go let's go down it, Mike, because I actually jotted it down because I want to talk to you about it. I mean, you've got the co main is Sebastian, the towering inferno, Fundora, the real tall. Uh, super welterweight against uh, Jorge Cota in a WBC super welterweight title eliminator. Then you've got two veterans going at it, two veteran welterweights, Jose Cito Lopez versus Francisco Santana. And then it starts with a WBC featherweight title eliminator again with Julio Ceja versus Eduardo Ramirez. I mean, I don't think any of these guys really move the needle. I love, I love Jose Cito Lopez having covered so many of his fights, but um, they can do better, Mike. And, you know, it's like they should be, they should be criticized for not doing better in this spot because as boxing is reemerging from the darkness of COVID, you know, there's, there was a far better fights that they could have shown. And it, it, they could have been, you know, some of those Fox or FS1 main events that they could have squeezed in here to just make it so entertaining. Oh, by the way, Julio, Se- Julio Seha actually has COVID and he is out of that fight with Eduardo oh, Ramirez. He, he is. Wow. Um, and apparently it's going to be Miguel Flores now in that fight. Okay. So, um, 
Look, I, I will say to to PBC's credit, they did try to ha- to place a fight between Jose Cito Lopez and Maurice Hooker as the co-feature, and that would have been an excellent co-feature, and everyone would have been happy. It didn't get done. You know, we we heard Maurice Hooker was asking for too much money, perhaps, but that that would have been a perfect fight. So they did try at least. Uh, I'll give them credit there, but you know, we, everyone needs to be more realistic, I suppose, in this in this climate. But yeah, now, absolutely. Lance, we're going to be joined by Danny Garcia, former. Unified 140-pound champion, former welterweight champion. He's an underdog once again, and he's confident, of course, training in Philadelphia, ready to go with his father, Angel Garcia, of course, by his side. Lance, we're going to take a quick break for a second to hear from one of our sponsors. All right, now we're going to be joined by former 140-pound champion and former welterweight champion, Danny Garcia, fighting Errol Spence Jr. on December 5th on Fox pay-per-view. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. We're just a few days away now, and this is your pay-per-view debut. Uh, how important is it to you that you're finally getting this big chance? Oh, I mean, this is a definitely, you know, it's a blessing. It's actually my second time on pay-per-view because I fought on my That's right. But this is, you know, I understand the headline part, but um, I feel great. You know, it's been a long camp, and um, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's all this talk right now about Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford. Do you feel like it's maybe a little disrespectful to you? I mean, this is a tough fight for Errol Spence. Not at all. At the end of the day, that's good for me, you know, because you ain't paying attention. That's when you get hit by a car. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You're walking past the street with your head in the air, you don't see I, 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 many, many a fighter have been called by that, that no look Danny Danny Garcia left hook. It's dangerous. That counter left hook. Um, do you think er- Errol Spence can really neutralize that with his jab? Um, or you think he's going to get caught at some point? It's a matter of if he can take it. You know, I'm going to go in there and fight my fight. And um, if and when I hurt him, then I'm going to do what I do best. I'm going to finish him. There's a couple questions, Danny, that you know that have to do with Errol's car crash. The first of which is, are you surprised that Spence is fighting you after that car crash instead of taking a, a softer touch and a, and a tune-up? In the beginning, I was. I ain't gonna lie. You know, I was like, whoa. You know, this guy's he's brave. You know, he's brave. So, um, but you know, if the doctor said you could fight and he feels physically ready, immensely ready, then hey, um, you do what you want to do. But, you know, um, I had a great camp, and I know I'm ready, so I really can't really worry about him. You've never fought Spence, but I know you've watched him fight before. When you're in the ring there with him, how can you measure, if if this is possible at all, how can you measure if he's lost anything from that accident? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I just got to go in there and fight my fight. You know, I'm not really worrying about, oh, he's slow because it is, or he's faster, or he's stronger. That's something you don't know. That's that's just the question mark about boxing. You just never know what what you could be. You could be in your prime and have a bad night. So, yeah. you know, without a car accident or without anything, you could. Everyone has a bad night here and there. So, you know, you just can't worry about that. So I just got to go in there and be the best I can be. Your fights with both Sean Porter and Keith Thurman were pretty close. Many people thought you won those fights, but me watching, uh, I was watching at ringside and at least the Thurman fight, especially it seemed like if you just threw some more punches, maybe you would have had it. Um, 
do you think you have to be more active? Is that, is that a thing that you're, you're working on or is that all of us just looking too much into it? No, I felt like, I felt like, to be honest, I felt like I fought good fights. You know, you go, you always say I could did this, I could did that. Of course, if it was to me, I wanted to knock him out, you know, but the knockout didn't come. So, but you always could say I could have did this, I could have did that. Yeah, yeah, you could always do more, you know, but um, I still felt like I did enough to win those fights, you know. So at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's a learning experience. You grow from it and it's the past. And I just, it's a history. It really doesn't matter to me anymore. Part of that history, Danny, is very good on your side. I mean, I can look back to those fights that you had against Amir Khan and Lucas Matisse, where you came in, I mean, pretty much the underdog in both fights where people maybe didn't expect you to win, yet you really rose to the occasion and got it done. You know, this is a similar fight right now with Spence. Do you think you need that little extra, like, you know, I'll show you guys, you know, what's going to happen to to win these types of fights? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'll... You know, to be honest, if I'm not the underdog at this point in my career. Like I said before, I don't even feel comfortable anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm right where I want to be. I'm in my comfort zone. You know, um, I know what it feels like people to pump you up and put all that pressure on you as a star, as this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of pressure. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my comfort zone right now, to be honest. This is where I like to be. And to me, this is easy for me. Let me ask you this, because, uh, you know, honestly, I know you didn't want to lose either of these uh, split decisions. But the fact is, you have if you if you can't win this fight, how damaging is a loss to you, uh, you know, to your legacy and who you pictured yourself as being in this career? You know, I feel like the sport of boxing, um, it's about fighting the best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to win. I always want to win. And that's my mindset that I'm going to win December 5th. But the whole thing about boxing is fighting the best. And that's what makes a legend when you fight the best. And that's what I'm doing. You can't be a legend if you don't fight the best. So you could retire undefeated and never have no good wins or fight no good people and be considered better than me. That's impossible. If you look at all the greats like Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard and all those guys, Ali, they they fought the best. They beat the best and they, and they lost to the best. But they were legends. Why? Because they fought the best fighters, and that's what boxing is about. No, Danny, you're you're dead on. I mean, you look at your resume. Remember when you fought Amir Khan? No one gave you a shot. You knocked him out. <laughs> Vicious knockout. Uh, Lucas Matisse fight was the same thing, and it was an emphatic victory. And now you fought Keith Thurman. You fought Sean Porter. You're going to fight Errol Spence. And like you said, yeah, all these guys, even Manny Pacquiao, they have a bunch of losses. And then I look at Terrence Crawford, who everyone's like building up now as pound for pounds. When I look at his resume, though, he hasn't fought anybody. I mean, you're like number five on your resume would be better than his number one. Listen, I'm look, I hey, that's his career. I can't really speak about who he fought, you know, what, what he got going on over there. I know that I'm a true champion, you know, and I know I fought the best and I, I beat the best and I love fighting the best. And that's what makes a, a true champion and a legend. And that's what I'm here for. You know, I can't really, I'm not here to talk about other fighters and who they didn't fight or who they did fight. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I think about your resume and your legacy, you were the unquestioned number one guy at 140 pounds, unified champion. And there was really no one say, there was no fight for you to like to, to fight, to really cement that status. You had that status. If you beat Errol Spence, you're going to be the number one guy again. Does that, is that going to make you, is that going to put you into the hall of fame? You think? Yeah. I feel like I'm already in the hall of fame. You feel me? So I feel like I'm, you know, if you see, if you look at all my accomplishments, I've been in the top level since 2012, you know, winning world titles, fighting the best, even in my, from my amateur history, you know, 
You know, if I didn't fight him in the pros, I fought him in the amateurs. So I feel like definitely I'm going to be a Hall of Famer when this is all said and done. This is an important fight for you, Danny. It's also a very important fight, I'm sure, for your father, uh, your trainer, trainer, Angel Garcia. What is he saying to you about the fight plan? And how important is this for, for his own you know, reputation to be able to come up with a script that you can follow to defeat the undefeated um, Errol Spence Jr.? You know, we, we're working hard every day. I think the formula is being ready. You know, I think that's the, you got the best game plan in the world. But if you ain't ready, it ain't, it's useless. So we're working hard, you know, making adjustments. We've got box, bang it out. You know, you can have a game plan, but it goes in there. He might do something different. He might do something you thought he was completely opposite. So that's just boxing. So you, you got to go in there and make adjustments and think quick and just be sharp. Yeah, you know, legacy legacy is clearly in play, uh, Danny. But also, I mean, the immediacy of it is if you do knock off Spence, what happens next to you? I mean, is there is there a rematch clause in place? What would you do with a victory? Um, I believe there is a rematch clause. Okay. Um, I'm not too sure. You know, we haven't had got that far into it yet. But either I'm pretty sure it is. But if not, then that's good for me. So, well, I don't really know yet, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Danny, I'm 34 years old. I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to feel old. What you know, seeing you at this stage, I remember when you were a prospect on the way up, and you had no like easy touches. You fought Kendall Holt early on, and a lot of fights like that. How important do you think that was for your development? And do you think more guys today need to take that road rather than fighting all these easy touches to like 20, 25, and now? Yeah, you definitely need to fight people who you know scrape you up a little bit, you know, punch you in the mouth a few times, rattle that brain. So that way, when you get to the big leagues, you've already been tested a little bit. You don't want to put a guy in there who's going to hurt you or mess your career up, you know, obviously because a loss at a young age could really – a bad loss or a knockout loss can hurt your, you know, your, your confidence. So, but it's very important to go in there and fight people who can hit you a little bit so you can learn and test you. You know, Danny, you've had a lot of hate over the years. I think a lot of that's probably because your father talks a lot of trash. But just scanning social media, it seems that the hate is dissipating. I haven't really seen much yet. And maybe that's because you just keep on taking the toughest fights out there. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. You know, um, one thing I learned about boxing is crazy. And I hate to say this, but they, they, don't, like, they don't love you till you lose. Not cool. Like, if you're undefeated, people... People take losses in life every day. People struggle every day in life. So you can't, they can't, they can't connect with you. So people like people who, okay, he's a human like me, you know? And I don't say that in a bad way, but people want to connect with people, you know, people lose every day or go through things, lose their job or lose their wives or whatever. So when you, when you look like you're a perfect person in the boxing world, it's not that they, they hate on you. It's just like, they just can't connect with you. So I think, I guess it's the part of being... Um, part of taking a loss is come with the love. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Vulnerability is definitely important. I, like I lost him when I won. If you're dead on, right? When you show some vulnerability, people can definitely relate then. Exactly. So maybe that's what it is. And now a quick break to hear from one of our advertisers. Hey, Danny, thanks again for joining the show. Really appreciate your time and good luck on Saturday against Errol Spence Jr. That was Danny Garcia, everyone. And you could follow him if you aren't already on Twitter at Danny Swift and on Instagram 
at Danny Swift Garcia. And I will say, Lance, he has a pretty great Instagram. Um, very lighthearted and funny. So um, I think Danny Garcia is one of those guys that actually has done a good job promoting himself. And he's seen the rewards of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the guy can fight. He's a significant player, you know, for ba basically the better part of the decade. And I love that. He is, he is humorous and, you know, he doesn't take himself too seriously, but he's very serious in the ring. Uh, one hell of a fighter. And I was very touched in his, uh, in his talk with us, Mike, when he talked about, you know, the importance of legacy to him and the fact that he has taken on all these guys. It is refreshing to see, you know, someone so willing to step out there against no matter who is at the best of the division at the time. And that's one thing that Danny Garcia will always be able to say about his career. So, you know, more power to him. Right. So, you know, we're looking forward to that fight. And, you know, we talked about the Tyson Jones uh, exhibition, but we had a real heavyweight fight on this past Saturday. Big upset. Joe Joyce beating Daniel Dubois. Maybe it's an upset because a lot of us overhyped Daniel Dubois. Maybe we, we undervaluated Joe Joyce, but whatever it was, yeah, Joyce was about a 41 underdog and he scored the, the TKO 10. Daniel Dubois reportedly suffered a fractured orbital bone in the left eye. The, the swelling was pretty apparent from, I think, around round two or three. And the eye just slowly but surely shut and closed. And it was kind of funny, Lance. Joe Joyce's jab, it didn't seem like he was really, you know, snapping and firing it with a lot of blot behind it. But he's such a big guy. And it was so accurate. He just kept pounding and pounding that, that, that left eye. Uh, and finally, in round 10, Dubois takes a knee after another shot to the eye. And then, you know, basically says, I've had enough. And... You know, I have no issue with that. I, I've seen a lot of people killing this guy and saying he quit and everything, but that, that's a serious injury for Daniel Dubois. He was the most ballyhooed prospect, probably in all of boxing, but at least in the heavyweight division. Now he has, now he suffered a loss and Joe Joyce is now a player in a heavyweight division. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, I just, the, the thing that impressed me so much or that I took away ultimately was that, you know. Joe Joyce is 35 years old. This guy has a wealth of experience and it really showed. He, I mean, he kept kind of like this deadpan expression on his face throughout that fight and just was going to work, you know, was going to work on that eye, was, was using that jab very effectively, did not budge at the power shots that he was taking from Dubois. Very, very impressive, uh, outing. And I know there's talk that, you know, like if the WBO ends up following through on its threat, to strip uh, Anthony Joshua, or at least the um, the Joshua Kubrat Pulev winner, uh, December twelfth of that belt uh, for not fighting um, for not fighting Alexander Usyk, that perhaps someone like Joyce could step in there and fight Usyk for that vacant belt, which would be a, a very interesting fight and you know very entertaining based on what he did against this uh, young lion Dubois. I had you know yeah, Mike. I think I, I, yeah, go ahead, Mike. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say to you, Mike, I mean, look, look, you touched on it. The criticism of Dubois, I watched it closely and, you know, it immediately brought me back to being ringside for the Matisse postal fight when Matisse seemed to stop when I think he was close. He was leading on some scorecards and it was very, you know, it was a very competitive fight, but he said he couldn't see out of the eye. The eye was black. And that's exactly what I thought of Dubois, you know, and it's, to me, it's like, it's hard for any of us to be able to say with conviction that if someone can't see out of their eye that they should continue. I'm sorry. I mean, look, I want, I, I think we all, we want all of our fighters to go out on their shields, but 
you know, look, you need to, you need to preserve your vision. You need to be able to fight for uh, another day at some time. And if you're having that big of, of problems with your eye, there's, there's no choice other than to do that. You, no one wants to lose. And clearly this guy was upset at losing, but he wants to continue his career at some point. And I think that the best fighters that we've known, it's all about how you fare after you do suffer a defeat. This guy can come back and resurrect himself pretty quickly in short order. He's only 23 years old. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can, how he responds to this, uh, you know, definite adversity. Yeah. And look, props to him for taking a tough fight when, you know, at a time when a lot of fighters don't want to take tough fights. Exactly. So that was a rare fight between two guys that are undefeated where it wasn't really, it wasn't a massive fight, you know, it was a big fight for boxing fans, but yeah. it, it wasn't what we typically see from promoters, Lance, where they want to marinate and make it to the biggest fight possible. <laughs> Frank Warren went for it now. So, you know what? Sometimes these things happen when you go for it. It was a risky fight. And props to Joe Joyce. I agree with you, Lance. I think Joe Joyce versus Usyk is a fascinating fight. Right after Joyce beat Dubois, I posted on Twitter that I wanted to see the fight, and I posted a poll who would win. And uh, we had about 4,500 votes. Usyk wow. got 79% of that. I, uh -huh. I, listen, I, and I had a lot of people telling me, why do you want to see that fight? I, I think it's a mismatch. I, I totally disagree. You know, Usyk hasn't... I know Usyk beat Joe Joyce in the World Series of Boxing, and that Usyk is obviously the superior fighter and the superior boxer, but you know, this is the pros and size matters, power matters. Yeah. And Usyk hasn't shown me that he could take a heavyweight punch yet. I, I would pick Usyk, but I don't think it's any foregone conclusion. I mean, look, I was so impressed with the smarts of Joy Joyce. I mean, he, he, the way he approached this fight, he was just ready for everything that Dubois was bringing his way. And, and why wouldn't he be able to, you know, execute in the same fashion against the smaller Usyk. So, uh, you know, I agree with you. You can't just throw this guy in the trash heap and say he's going to get d destroyed by a guy who has, you know, struggled a little bit with bigger guys in, in the heavyweight division. Um, I, again, I, I, if this fight happens, I, I, I would be right there watching it because I think that it would be uh, very entertaining. Well, one thing that one fight that I know was not very entertaining at all, Mike, was uh, the Daniel <laughs> Jacobs fight against Gabriel Rosado. Holy smokes. I mean, this was like a stinker to the, to the 1000th degree. Um, did you stay awake during it? I, I, I did watch the fight. I did not oh. score the fight cause it was so boring. I, yes. I think I scored like the first two rounds and I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I can't focus so heavily. I mean, Lance is not exaggerating. That was one of the worst fights I have ever seen. And I think it is fair to say Lance and it's not hyperbole to say that was the worst main event, not featuring heavyweights where millions of dollars were spent on the fight. Horrible. I, I can't, of this century. I mean, I can't think of a worse fight in the past 20 years where millions were spent and it wasn't heavyweights. Th these guys both seemed like they just didn't want to be there. They were just walking around the ring, going through the motions. I mean, for Gabe Rosado to complain uh, so f uh, feverishly that he was robbed and all this, it's like, look, maybe you won the fight. I don't know. It was a close fight, but yeah. you didn't do much. You didn't deserve to win. And yeah. I agree with Eddie Hearn said, Eddie Hearn, who promoted the fight and you know was responsible for those millions being delivered from the zone, said no one deserved to win. He's absolutely right. I don't know what Danny Jacobs was doing. Danny Jacobs was a 20 to one favorite. I mean, this should have been easy work for Danny. That's what I thought. I think that's what most of us thought. And he said afterward that he treated the fight like a sparring match and apologized. And um, he's really going through the ringer right now. But what do you think was going through Danny's mind? What happened there? I have no idea. I mean, one of the things that struck me was that, you know, it didn't seem like he was very inspired by his new corner. Um, you know, it, 
he has so much, he had so much to gain by a very sharp, dominant performance, right, Mike? Being 20 to one, if he had taken out Rosado, he can go in there and say, like, bring it, you know, whoever it is, um, Canelo, Triple G, Charlo, you know, but now it's like, man, you were so unentertaining. You just gave your, your possible opponent so much ammunition to say, I don't want to fight your boring ass, you know, and, and, you know, we we all know that Danny Jacobs can be such a a, a more entertaining fighter. I just to uh, to try to comprehend what was going on in his mind that night. I mean, I don't know if he had, he had an injury. He didn't cite one, right? I mean, I don't know if he was sick. He, he, he didn't, didn't have. He did not. I was told he did not have an injury. He didn't cite so. a sickness or anything like that. So it's like, wow. I mean, you know, you are a professional. You have so much to fight for. You have every reason in the world to turn up. And, you know, instead you, you stunk up the joint. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, just take our word. If you haven't seen the fight, take our word for it. We don't, we don't suggest you watch the yeah, fight. It don't was watch that it. bad. Don't watch it. Yeah. I think, what was it? It was like 72 punches landed in total between both guys or one guy. Yeah, they were averaging I, 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 like either two. way. I mean, I think it was like, or I, I can't remember exactly the exact round, but at some point I believe Sergio Mora said like, oh, they made it. Someone eclipsed more, more than five punches landed in a round. And I'm like, wow. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it was the worst fight, worst TV main event fight I have seen since Rancis Bartholomew versus Robert Easter Jr. last year on Showtime. Dark. That fight, millions were not spent on that fight. Millions were spent on this fight, multiple millions. So that was actually Danny Jacobs' last fight of his four-fight deal with Eddie Hearn and the zone. And now he's a free agent. So look, maybe Danny will get another big fight. He's still a big name. Um, and he's at, he's in a stacked division at 168 with guys like Billy Joe Saunders and potentially Demetrius Andre moving up. There's Caleb yeah. Plant, David Benavidez, maybe Jamal Charlo moving up or at a catch weight. So he might get a big fight again next year anyway. But do you uh, think that yeah, do you think I, I, I do do you think he needs to reunite with Andre Rogier? I mean, they had such a great Absolutely, Lance. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, he needed someone there to scream at him and, and tell him, "Hey, look, man, you're you're what are you doing here? You you, you know, you're going to blow this fight." And I, I saw Fareed try a few times, but he wasn't really it wasn't really that urgent. I think he actually apologized for yelling at him at one point. I mean, wow. the trainer has to be the boss in there. So, if it's not going to be Andre Rogier, it's got to be someone else that's going to that he's going to respect. Mhm. Um also, Lance, we have the Clarissa Shields news that you and I were, were talking about yesterday. Uh, Clarissa Shields going to the Professional Fighters League, the PFL, and she's gonna, you know, she's gonna try to fight both MMA and boxing for the near future. Tell us what you know about this, Lance. I mean, look, I mean, Clarissa Shields is uh, hell bent to make herself, you know, the greatest female fighter of all time. She said in a statement. Um, that was released um, yesterday morning that she always had some very deep admiration for the likes of Bo Jackson and Deion Sanders who would cross over and play uh, multiple sports. And she wants to try the same. I mean, look, who's the questioner? I mean, Mike, you know, boxing is definitely a, a big part of MMA. Um, she is a very talented boxer and she's a one hell of an athlete who's at 25 years old still has time to, to learn the MMA game. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, it's very important for her to make sure that she's surrounding herself with the most elite trainers that she can, she can find. But Clarissa Shields is such a driven uh, athlete that, you know, I see no reason why she can't get into this uh, pro fight league, 
I guess they're going to, what they're going to do, they have a, basically a season that goes on and that leads into their playoffs. So she's not going to be participating in that in the first year of, of, uh, the PFL, um, season and playoffs. She's basically going to fight, uh, quote unquote, special attraction fights the first year. And they did not immediately release a day as to when it would uh, start, although their first card is April 23rd. Um, but all roads lead for Clarissa to the uh, lightweight champion that that's 155 pounds in MMA, Kayla Harrison, who herself, just like Clarissa is a two-time gold medalist in boxing. Kayla Harrison is a two-time gold medalist in judo. And that's going to be one hell of an event that uh, the PFL can, can say is coming to, you know, your way in 2022. Um, obviously, like I said, Clarissa Shields is going to have to do tremendous work to be ready for a talent like Kayla Harrison who, you know, has her own uh, designs on being established as the the next great women's MMA fighter. In fact, this uh, earlier, this, uh, I'm sorry, in, in uh, November, she moved down to 145 pounds to prove she could fight there. She took on a special fight in the uh, MMA organization Invicta, and she wants to uh, herself be in position to one day fight the UFC champion, the great UFC champion, Amanda Lioness Nunez. So, you know, look, if, if all three of these fighters are, are in this position, uh, women's combat sports, um, you know, just added a lot more interest into it by Clarissa Shields making this move over to MMA. Yeah, how Lance, do you, how I mean, do you think she'll do? I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I was going to say, I've covered a bunch of UFC fights, but you've covered way more MMA than I have. And we know Ali Holm has found a lot of success after being a boxer in the UFC. Yeah. What do you think, Lance, are Clarissa Shields' chances of really being successful at this and becoming a champion, not just being uh, an attraction. Yeah, you know, I think that the, it, it all hinges on the types of train type type of training that she gets. She has to devote herself and dedicate herself to making sure that she has the most qualified and equipped corner that she can. She she cannot go into this and saying I'm a boxer, I'm just going to stay on my feet and I'm, I'll win that way. We've seen people like remember when James Tony. Uh, tried to come. <laughs> I remember that was a no, sad was a day joke. For me. Yeah, against Randy Couture. <laughs> I had so much hope. <laughs> demolished because all, once you grab the legs, it's over. So Clarissa has to be equipped to deal with all of that maneuvering that is going to be necessi necessitated on the ground um, to survive and you know try to keep the feet, uh, try to keep the fight on uh, on its feet for as long as she can. But if it does go down. You know, you've got to you've got to have a clue as to what to uh, what to do down there. And look, this is something that applies to a lot of fighters, Mike. I mean, we can think back to the Conor McGregor Nate Diaz first fight, right? When that went to the canvas, it was over uh, because Conor is just not uh, not comfortable there. But you have you have to be comfortable there. You have to uh, do whatever it takes in your training to to make sure that you can handle yourself and and not only that you know you have to have defense in, in play you have to have escapability in play and you know maybe a couple tactics in there to where you can um, dish out some damage yourself i believe in clarissa shields as, as one of the great uh, female athletes of our time and if anyone can do it i believe she can all right well we're going to look forward to more boxing in the near future uh, with a stacked December before we get to any of those MMA fights with Clarissa Shields next year. But thanks again, everyone, for joining us. That's our show for today. 
Thanks again to Danny Garcia as well. And remember, if you aren't already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can do so right now for just $1 per month with a special promotion. And you can do so at theathletic.com slash Hogan Coffee.